welcome back to a new episode everybody we're um, gonna kind of get into prophecy understanding it what it is and does it exist and basically we're trying to understand what prophecies are um, there's many people that claim to be prophets and apostles and everything and I don't take any of these people at their word not saying that God couldn't intervene in some way and give somebody the um, the properties of being a prophet, but we need to understand what a prophet is first. And a prophet is basically a spokesperson for God. Now it's different than what we call a pastor, a bishop, you know, things that are deciphering the gospel to us, right? See, in the Bible, we had the Levites, in, you know, in, um, in the Torah. And the Levites were supposed to be the priests, you know, the tribe of Levi. And as we go forward into there, we understand that the priests <coughs> are supposed to be administering God's word to the people. They had prophets that would come, that would deliver messages from God to the people of Israel. Even they had prophets that were supposed to go to foreign nations, nations that weren't in Israel, to deliver messages. So, how do we know, um, you know, the difference between a prophet and a priest? Well, a priest is not one that is deciphering a message from God. They're not taking the word of God. They're taking the written word of God. So the Torah, which is the five first books of Moses, right? They go into there and they take the Torah and they start explaining that to the people. And they go through these books and routinely go through that with the feasts and the harvests and everything that they were going through at the time. But the prophets had a divine speaking to God. Moses was a prophet. He didn't go over and start reading the Torah to people. He was telling them what God was telling him. So, a prophet is somebody that administers a message to people from God. So, this goes into Jesus. This goes into uh, Moses and Jeremiah and Isaiah you know, all these different prophets in the world that that were in the past, and why certain ones were discluded. Jeremiah, for example, was killed for the prophecy he was given about the, the captivity of Babylon. He kept telling them that they are sinning, and over time everybody started getting angry with Jeremiah and that prophecy ended up being fulfilled but at the same time before there we had uh, the book of Isaiah which prophesized Jesus being born they prophesized how he was gonna die they prophesized um, everything that basically came to pass after Jeremiah and going forward into the book of Daniel so, was Jesus a prophet? In some aspects he was, but he was more po uh, more potent than any prophet we could ever have. Prophets 
were still men, and they were still fallible to sin. They could still sin. They could still try to deny God, you know? Um, not so much deny God as a being, but deny what he, what he is commanding them to do. For example, we look at Jonah, which was supposed to go to a foreign, the foreign nation of the Assyrians called Nineveh and tell them to repent. Not to change their religion, not to do anything other than that, but just repent for what they were doing. What was it? But Jeremiah was a prophet that really didn't like his enemies. He wanted to see destruction to all his enemies. And this is where we understand a parallel between the hardening of the Pharaoh's heart in um, Exodus and the hardening of, Jer uh, of Jonah's heart for his enemies. But God was like saying, you need to repent and have them repent, right? Because he wants the Assyrians to repent. This is almost like a showing of God's grace to the people outside of Israel. Now, a big issue with the people outside of Israel is the Israelis, or the Jewish people, looked at them as very unclean and not righteous people. And for many reasons, they were very sinful. They did things that were against their uh, religion, their faith. So, when we go into prophecy, we have to understand that there's so many takes on prophecy and so many ways that people can interpret it in um, what we need to understand though is that prophecy has been declared in second Peter for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit in that verse, they're explaining that the Holy Spirit inspired them to give the word of God to people. Prophecies are carried to the Holy, uh, from the Holy Spirit to the prophets. God stated in uh, the book of Numbers that he doesn't speak to people mouth to mouth. Like, he doesn't speak to them face to face. He speaks them through dreams and visions. He was saying this to Miriam and Aaron. And when he said that, he said, I speak to them through dreams and visions. But he goes, with Moses, I will speak mouth to mouth. Because he, Moses and God were friends. You know? God loved Moses. Even though Moses was quick to anger and he had very, you know, he, he was human. He didn't he wasn't a perfect person now the difference between this and like islam is islam claims all their prophets are perfect but when you show them that there's no perfection in the prophets they will claim that well they're hold a, they're not held to uh they can get away with it because they're prophets but i've always looked at it as they need to be held to a higher standard. Not saying anything bad about the prophets by any means. They're so much better than anybody that has ever been on earth. They've done things that we would never do ourselves because what they were doing was a lot scarier than it is today. 
but there are people in this world that do do things similar to the prophets you know not so much as speaking to god but delivering the gospel to people in nations that have been um restricted the gospel and also being very hostile to those places um i have a, a persecuted map um that will show different areas in the world that um don't allow bibles that are hostile to christians so why do i bring this up amos 3 verse 7 says for the lord god does nothing without revealing his secret to his servants the prophets and as it goes to that day that we understand that the prophets are the ones that are delivering his final messages. God's messages to us are revealed in the gospel. The new covenant, the one that is going to bring in the people for adoption. Now, why did God wait so long for this to happen? Because God needed to make... <coughs> An establishment first we he, he had to do his first covenant he had to prepare everything for us to go in so we can go back and understand what the prophets were saying these people that were predestined and elected by God to give us these messages so when we understand what prophecy is now, um, we also understand how prophecy can impair in different aspects of the world. Different people can look at the prophecy in different ways. That doesn't mean the prophecy is singular. It doesn't mean it has a linear point of view. It means the prophecy could have many, many meanings. The book of Revelation is one of the most controversial books on the face of the planet. Why is the book of Revelation controversial? Well, the book of Revelation doesn't have a... It, it's very symbolic in a lot of the ways it is worded. Because the things that were occurring at that time, the thing that John of Patmos was seeing, he couldn't put a decipher on it, you know, because... He was seeing things that were much different at his time than our time. Kind of like when we understand that um, in the book of Isaiah, they talk about towers that would fly in the sky and carrying people. You know? Now we look at that and we're like, okay, so what kind of things do we have in the sky today that carries people that are like towers? Well, we have planes. You know, now if we're talking about carrying people like just holding them, we also have skyscrapers. But I think that the way that the Isaiah was wording it was these things were actually transporting people. And there were towers. So how do we decipher that? How did Isaiah see this kind of stuff? These are prophecies that we can't fully put a, a single notion to. And also, it's one of 
starting to become a very common occurrence, but from the very beginning of me understanding what Genesis 6 says, I have always had the idea of my own personal interpretation of this prophecy. It says that the in Revelation that the saints are going to judge the angels. We parallel this with Jude, where Jude talks about... Um, Enoch, you know, uh, when we understand that um, in the book of Jude, it says in Jude 14, Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about them. See, the Lord is coming with thousand, uh, thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and to convict all of them and all the ungodly acts that they have committed in their ungodliness, and all of their defiant words ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These people are grumblers and fault finders. They will follow their own evil desires, and they boast about themselves and flatter others at their own advantage. We go forward to the call, of, um, the call to preserve, and then when we understand this, they're talking about Enoch. So Enoch is a very controversial book because Enoch is not included into the canon of any of the Christian denominations except for the Ethiopian Orthodox. The book of Enoch, and one Enoch, the book of the Watchers, talks about the fall of the angels where it actually explains Semyaza and Azazel and all these different angels that went out showed hum uh, humanity what to how to build civilizations how to do all this stuff and this i believe personally that the sons of god that got to the daughters of men creating the nephilim or the um the giants that were uh before and uh, after this point was a huge aspect of one major consideration i believe that the sons of god were the fallen angels the fallen angels, which are referenced again in Jude, are not the sons of Seth, or the son. Yeah, they're not the sons of Seth, and they're not the sons of Cain. You know, we understand this because we're understanding that these people um, have a different point of view on things. People are deciphering their own way to interpret this, but the way that it's interpreted. I believe is incorrect now the Catholic Church has gone out they even have a thing called the Lucifer or Luciferian telescope when we see the Luciferian telescope and we understand that everything has been pointing to the stars lately we're thinking about planets outside of our own we look at the ancient Sumerians ancient Sumerians always looked at different planets the Babylonians always looked at astrology and astronomy, and they they understood the things that were happening. The, the Magi that actually went to Jesus were studying that as well, the constellation. The constellation, which was prophesied in the same aspect as Isaiah. Not saying that, G, uh, that Mary wasn't a virgin. I'm saying that there's a double case of it. God put a sign to show that the cap the people that were captive in Babylon, their Messiah was being born by a virgin. Everything was pointing to the truth. 
the prophecies and everything that was symbolic, God works in a universal way, a thing that is unparalleled to things that we can fathom. So we don't, we can't put it in a single aspect of this. So, what is a big cause of revelation? Revelation is known to be one of the, um, one of the books that the people who are studying it are going to be blessed because they're going to know the signs, but they're not going to know exactly what's going to happen. They're not going to know when either. Um, when we go into all of the stuff that we have today and we look at Revelation, Revelation is very, very interesting because a lot of people re revelation means comes from the greek word uh apocalypsis and it is you know a lot of people reference that in the the latin word is apocalypse but um or the english word is apocalypse because the catholic bible uses it as apocalypse and today the apocalypse is more of like something that is How do I put it? We're, we're looking... A lot of people look at the, the apocalypse as like the walking dead, right? We understand the walking dead as a point where, hey, you know, there's going to be a bunch of zombies and stuff like that. But apocalypse in Greek means the unveiling. Revelation means you're going to learn about things. The revelation is going to be unveiled. Apocalypse itself means the unveiling. So, what is it? What is it going to unveil? Matthew 11:27 explains, I praise you, Father, uh, Lord of heaven and earth, because I have hidden these things and from the wise and learned and revealed apocalypse them to children. So, revealed, so unveiled them to the little children. So you see the visions in Revelation. Um, things are going to be revealed to us in the last days. We're going to understand everything that's going to happen. We're going to understand where we're going. We're going to understand how we're going to win. Uh, how we're going to win, or how God is going to win this war. We're going to understand the temptation. We're going to understand the things that are going to occur. So what do I personally believe about the revelation um, that we look into? We look into revelation and we see the beast. We see the mark of the beast. We see the um, we see Satan. We see the false prophet. We see the Antichrist. We see all these different things, the unholy trinity. And why do I think this is... Um, it has been starting to become very common that people have been looking into ancient civilizations. We have understood this since uh, they started putting out shows like Ancient Aliens and uh, all these shows that go into the archaeology and the ancient civilizations of the previous empires that ruled. Things that would predate Egypt. So why? do these things always occur now in 
the Amer in America, we never really studied the ancient Sumerians, the Akkadians, all these different civilizations when we're in school. We always studied Egypt. So now we look into this and we understand something. Egypt has the pyramids and they're all align up with Orion's belt. We have the ancient Sumerians, which started looking at the stars. We have um, people like Gilgamesh, which parallels to the um, to Noah's um, flood. You know, the Great Dolge. When we understand that, and we look into all these different cases, people are now looking at this as ancient aliens, or just stories or myths that have occurred, and they have been adopted by other cultures. Now, that doesn't mean that these things weren't adopted, and it doesn't mean that they are adopted. It means that whatever was here, which I believe it pertains to Genesis 6, the aliens, or what people claim as aliens, I believe as fallen angels, when they came here, they taught everybody everything, and as these things laid still, for thousands upon thousands of years, we're now looking at it through science fiction, which is now overlapping myth, uh, which science fiction is overlapping mythology, and it's overlapping religion, because science fiction has now bec is becoming now science. Scientific method or scientific theory has been a common occurrence to most atheists as scientific truth which means they're saying it is true. Scientific theories are truth. They're not saying a theory, uh, a theory which is basically theorized is now true in all cases of this. Um, when we look at 2 Peter 2, um, we do 1 through 22, but false prophets are, uh, also arose among people just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies and even denying the master who brought them, bring them upon uh, themselves a swift destruction. And as many follows their uh, sen uh, sensuality because of the way of the truth will be blasphemed, um, and in their greed they will exploit you with false words. Their condemna condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. For God did not spare the angels when they were sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them into chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment. If he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness, with seven others, and he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. This is telling us in Second Peter that there were people here that were bad. And they were saying, even more so, that they were fallen angels. He did not spare the angels when they sinned. Angels can sin. I don't want anybody to tell me otherwise. Because people are telling me, pastors, theologians, all these people are saying angels are perfect. They cannot sin. But it says in the Bible that they did. And Satan even did it himself. So 
when we understand Satan and we understand all of the stuff that's going on, we need to fully decipher and deliver this message. When the fallen, I believe the fallen angels will come again. And we're going to look at them as extraterrestrial aliens. And when we look at them in that, they are going to say that they formed everything. The ancient world was theirs. And they had to leave, and they came back. And they're coming back to save us all. We're all going to fall to worship these beings, but... And they're going to tell us to take the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast itself is going to be part of their thing, where we're going to basically forfeit ourselves to them cast out the Holy Spirit from ourselves and follow them instead and then what they are gonna do is they're gonna take us they're gonna take everybody into a full sin a one-world religion and everything is gonna fall down and collapse on us this is why we need to read the Bible we need to study it we need to know the words we need to understand everything that's going to occur because until the time that the Messiah returns, we cannot, and I repeat, we cannot follow any false deities. Anything that comes from the sky that we think are angelic, or anything that we're looking at as extraterrestrial, they are not our God. Remember that. Our Holy Spirit will help us. And from there, we will continue being good with what we can do. God bless you all, and I hope this has been informative for many of you. Please read your Bible, research prophecy, and understand the things that will be occurring.